When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You are now now listening listening to B-Mad, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's it's great to be in with you guys. I really appreciate you having me. Look forward to talking a little Auburn recruiting. It's uh it's been it's been a pretty busy month or so. Uh, a lot of activity on the plains as it pertains to recruiting and camps and, and whatnot. You've been covering it at all. And for those who aren't aware on AuburnSports.com, Brian Matthews writes pretty much every Monday what he calls BMAT's Monday musings. And just recent one, he you actually talked pretty extensively about the legwork this coaching staff has put in in terms of getting a lot of recruits on campus, uh, whether it be through official visits, unofficial visits for 2024, 2025 kids uh, and camps. And so I think Auburn hosts maybe like approximately 30 official visitors, um, a lot of them who are highly sought after and um, recruits. Uh, and one of the things you pointed out, B. Matt, is you took note of the culture around Auburn, and you begin to notice some things this year beginning to take shape. Care to elaborate on some of the things that you've observed uh, being around the coaching staff and the players this past month or so? Treat your boys. Chill Boys underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, and comfortable. Chill Boys underwear will help you keep the boys close, uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boys underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys, Chill Boys provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boys. Yeah, I guess the two major things I observed uh, this summer, and I, I went to most of the camps. I was over there for all the official visits. And when you do that, you get to talk to players off the record. You get to hang out with coaches and talk to them a little bit, and you get a sense of what's going on, right? Uh, so the two things that I point out in that um, column were, one, I felt like they did a great job, and I mean that great, in getting kids on campus. And uh, a big improvement from what happened last year and, and what had happened earlier this year in January, uh, for example. Uh, they got those 30 officials in. They also got a bunch of um, 2024s and 2025s in for unofficial visits and for <coughs> camps. So I think that part of the recruiting process was done really, really well. And it was a big improvement uh, for them. And they deserve credit for that. And not just uh, Brian Harsher, but that whole staff. You know, they've hired all these uh, off the field, uh, you know, people as developmental operations, all those uh, recruiting staff uh, analysts and such, and they all did a terrific job. Um, 
but you know that's just one step of the process. You got to make those relationships, and you got to win those recruiting battles, right? You got to beat Clemson, you got to beat Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, etc. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. Um, and the other thing, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you can tell uh, from the coaches and the players that there is a definite uh, buy-in uh, with, within the whole program. Uh, I felt like the players and coaches were all on the same page. They all believed in what they were doing. Um, you know, they're all the work hard, you know, tough-minded types. I, I just think in that respect, uh, things are going really well, Auburn. And I do think that's one component of winning. I don't think it's the most important component, right? You can have all that and still go six and six or whatever. Uh, but I do think that that was a step forward. And uh, I've covered a lot of teams at Auburn, and um, that hasn't always been the case. And, you know, you can still win when it's not the case, as long as you have the right people on your side, right? But um, mm. in this respect, I feel like uh, everybody I talk to, uh, most of the program is is on Harson's side and, and really behind him and the way he's running his, his ship. Mm. This is supposed to be the greatest class in state history, right? Like One of the best, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm hearing a lot about this class. What kind of progress are they making on this class Hmm. What realistically? Yeah, we'll be, be able to pluck a few. That that's the big question, right? That they've got to win some. You know, they've mm-hmm. done the legwork now, but then again, you got to remember some of these schools like Alabama and Georgia, Clemson have been doing that legwork for two or three years with some of these kids. Right. So that puts Auburn in a tough spot sometimes, but they do need to win some of these. Um, you know, they won one in Braden Joyner, right? And they won one other in Georgia, and that's it so far. So I checked yesterday just to look. And it doesn't necessarily matter on June 29th what the rankings are, but Auburn's 85th in, in the country and last in the SEC. And that's mostly due to them just having two commitments. And I think everybody else in the SEC has five or six or more. Uh, some are up over, you know, well over in, into double digits. So that's just where Auburn stands. Um, you know, as far as winning some of those battles, well, there's going to be one announced here on Friday, and that's Jeremiah Cobb. If you want to jump right into it, I think that's one Auburn can and probably will win. I'm not saying that for certain, but I yeah. like Auburn's chances. Mm. One of the biggest reasons I like Auburn's chances is, is Cadillac Williams. Uh, he's one of Auburn's best recruiters. Him and Zach Etheridge. Uh, no surprise, those two are two of Auburn's best. And um, the two positions I don't necessarily worry about in recruiting right now are running back and defensive back. Mm. Uh, Auburn did a great job with those two positions in the last class, and I think they're going to do it again in this class with those with those two coaches. So I like Auburn's chances with Jeremiah Cobb, and then we'll see after that, right? Mm. I, I I'm just want to follow up talking about the offensive side of the ball because it seems like in the portal and in recruiting, they're not having any problem getting defensive players to commit. But offensively, you know, what is the feeling about the evaluation of the talent at the skill positions that they're recruiting? It's interesting because if you go back the last few years with Kevin Steele, uh, Auburn has recruited, evaluated, and developed the defensive side of the ball better than the offense for right. years now. And um, Brian Harson uh, inherited a better defense than he did in offense as far as talent goes. That's facts. Uh, and that's still the case. And it hasn't changed. Um, I think the biggest problem in offense has been offensive tackle recruiting and quarterback, high school quarterback recruiting and development, right? Those have been the two big source thoughts. Um, I still worried about offensive tackle. And then, you know, you look at quarterback, and um, they lost out uh, the kid from uh, Birmingham to, to Clemson, the number one guy. And then uh, the 1B guy, uh, Brock Glenn, came down for an official visit. You know, his first name is Auburn. He's got ties, family ties to the school. Um, I felt like Auburn was in great shape then. Uh, he did go on Ohio State visit here over the last couple of weeks, and I think that's sort of thrown a wrench into his recruitment. 
He was going to announce here soon at the Elite 11. I'm not sure if that's going to happen now, but I think the best thing for Auburn now is for him to step back a minute and take some time, reevaluate, and maybe um, Auburn can get him back for Big Cat before he makes a decision. So I, I don't know if it's Auburn or Ohio State for him right now, but I'd be a little concerned that uh, the Buckeyes have sort of moved in front based on where their program's at and what they've done with quarterbacks over the last several years. So let, let me ask a, a follow-up here about just, you, you mentioned the the areas of concern. Do you feel like that is, offensive line's got to be a priority, right? Like yeah. the quarterback room, we talked a little bit about this last week, seems to, unless we have transfers, seems to be like we've got some depth there for the next yeah. few years. So I don't know if there's like a an urgency there, but offensive line, even though there's a ton of guys in that room, a lot of them are seniors, fifth year seniors, like, we're going to lose a ton of experience out of that room. Do you yep. feel like Auburn is prioritizing that right now? And, you know, what's that pipeline even looking like right now? Well, to my, by my calculation, I think Auburn returns six um, scholarship offensive linemen. Now, maybe a guy like um, Killian Zaire will turn for a, for a year. I think he's got at least a year el- eligibility left, so there, there could be others. But um, that, that remains a concern. And uh, real quick, uh, quarterback, even if Auburn misses on Brock Glenn, I, I think quarterback is a position – that if, if you're a five-star quarterback, you go to a school, you finish second in, in a competition, you're in the portal right away. So there's right. going to be opportunities if Auburn has mm. to have a quarterback this year or next year in, in December to go grab somebody really good, uh, potentially championship level good. That kid from Ohio State is a good example yeah. of that, right? Quinn Ewers, I yep. think he was. He committed. Yep. He was like the number two player ever in the history of football. Yep. And he committed to Ohio State and didn't play. And now he's at Texas. Yep, and that's going to happen every single year. So that's going to be there for schools like Auburn if they have to fall back on it. Offensive tackle is more of a developmental position, especially at Auburn. Right. Unless you're signing one of the top tackles in the country, uh, you're going to get a guy that's going to be in the program two or three years before he starts. You know, right. I mean, right. some of the studs can come in and start right away, sure, but Auburn's not in, the, in on those guys right now. Um, I do think that Auburn is in position to sign some good offensive linemen. Mm. Um, Stanton, Rainbow from Alabaster, I think he's more of a – you know, take a couple of years to get bigger and stronger, but uh, you know he is a got a tackle body which Auburn lacks in a lot of their uh, current offensive linemen. Uh, I think he officially visited uh, North Carolina, Tennessee, Michigan State, Penn State, but I think he was sort of um, putting an emphasis on visiting out of state schools. So I think Auburn's still in good chance, good shape for him. One guy to really watch is Ryquez McEldry from Aniston, mm. uh, committed to Georgia early. Auburn has really recruited him hard, and I think if Auburn is going to flip anybody from a big school. I think he, Auburn's probably in the best shape for him. And then a couple of guys that came in for visits, Connor Liu is like a center slash guard. You know, if, if you sign him and, um, and, and the kid, uh, Braden Joyner, who they currently got committed, you know, one's got to move to guard probably, uh, maybe Braden. Uh, you know, the thing with him is he loves Auburn's uh, flight program, hmm. but Auburn's also competing um, against Clemson, Miami, and Georgia for him. Those are the well, Clemson and Georgia are two schools they don't win a lot of recruiting battles right now against. So this will be a big one to watch. Nick Brahms and, need to get on top of that thing. Yeah, flight program right. guy, center. Come on, man, make it happen. Well, he Nick. was right. his player host. He was his yeah. player host. Okay. And then DJ Chester came in for a visit too. I think he's one that Auburn's in pretty good shape for. Although he's probably going to wait. He's not going to jump on board. I, th- I don't think in in June or July. Uh, LSU and FSU are, are two schools I think most involved with him. And then uh, Auburn has not, you know, made a push for him yet, but watch out for Vice and Lang, I think is how you say his name from Pike Road. He's another guy that's a pretty good player that Auburn could maybe uh, make a strong push for after this next 
cycle goes through when they see how things work out on the offensive line. But I think Auburn, which really failed getting some transfer offensive linemen in this past offseason, with the situation they'll be in with so many opening spots, maybe three or four uh, uh, starters gone, maybe all five, uh, they'll be in position to sign a really good class of transfers too at that position. I know it's not ideal. It's not what you want, but you got to do whatever you can to be competitive. And I think that's what's going to end up happening. Maybe two, three, or four high school kids, and then another two or three uh, transfer offensive tackles, offensive linemen. O-line is such a developmental position. You're not going to get a whole class of kids that are going to be ready to start game one that are true freshmen in our league being physically ready to play at this level. You know, how much do you think that affects how they recruit the skill positions, you know, finding a dynamic quarterback, uh, anything you can to cover what inevitably may be a step back at offensive line until that class of recruits catches up? Uh, that's that's a, it's an interesting question because if that offensive line is not functioning, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. We saw that in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago with uh, Kansas City, right? Yeah. Uh, they got destroyed. I forget who they were playing, but they, you know, both their tackles, I think, were hurt in that game. And uh, they got beat up pretty good. So um, I'm not sure there is a fallback plan. I think it's let's get those guys in. We can get in to make the best of it and continue to try to assign good players at the other positions too. I think Auburn's good at running back. Uh, I expect Tank to leave, but, you know, they got Demarty Austin in. Um, They're going to sign, you know, another good one this class. Probably Jeremiah Cobb. We'll find out Friday. And I think they got some other good guys back too. So I, you know, I like Sean Jackson, even though he's a former walk-on. I just, I just like his running style. Yeah. Uh, at, at wide receiver, I think that's another position that struggled. I think it was tough under Gus Malzahn because he ran a system that really wasn't pro-ready, and, and other teams used that against Auburn in recruiting. Uh, I do think though that um, the three freshmen and the two transfers are going to help out this season. I think Amari Kelly has been a guy that uh, has stood out mm-hmm. um, during summer workouts over the last couple of weeks. And I think that um, even though I don't think Coy Moore or uh, the Worsham kid, Dazlin Worsham, are, are mm-hmm. all SEC players necessarily, but I think they make Auburn better at the receiver position, much better. Mm-hmm. I mean, Coy Moore could be the number five or six receiver at LSU and be number one at, at Auburn, and that's just that's just how it is right now. Yeah, I think they were recruiting that position obviously much better than than we were. So yeah. it's not out of the question that somebody who couldn't crack the starting lineup at a place like LSU where they've been producing – High-level wide receivers for a few years uh, could come here and and be a a star playing with with one of our quarterbacks. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. You mentioned wide receivers, and we got a question here from Blake Robinson. Appreciate you, Blake. He asked, uh, do you think Auburn still gets English, as in Carmelo English, uh, the wide, four-star wide receiver prospect out of Lee Phoenix City area? Do you still think Auburn gets him um, despite him delaying his announcement, which I believe was supposed to be the day after Cobb announced his uh, commitment, correct? Yeah, and I don't know the reason Carmelo pushed it back necessarily, but I, I do still think Auburn's in good shape there. And mm-hmm. the one thing with Carmelo, he's also got to um, hit his books really hard, uh, you know, this summer and into the fall too. 
from a, a academic a qualifying standpoint. Um, but, you know, I think Michigan and Kentucky are involved. I don't know if a new school has stepped up in there, but uh, I, I do think Auburn remains in pretty good shape there. Um, and, and I do, I would still, if I had to pick uh, where he's going, I'd still pick Auburn for him. It, it's just a, a matter of maybe waiting a little bit longer. Maybe they can get him in for Big Cat. And I, I know they're trying to make Big Cat a big thing, not only getting kids here, but also having some commitments come out of that. So maybe that's another area that they can do. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Big Cat, and I know we're in a dead period right now, which pretty much is going to last for a good bit of July. And I think coming off of the dead period, that's when they expect to to do Big Cat. Big Cat has traditionally been held earlier in the year, like around May, June at the latest. Uh, is there any particular strategy, reason for why they're doing it after the dead period or just under this coaching staff, they're tending to do it later? Well, really, if you look at the calendar now with the official visits in June, Every weekend of June is just slap full of those. So if you try to hold a, a gigantic, um, you know, recruiting event, it's, it's just it's just not not going to work out with those official visits. So they had to move it to uh, the end of July. It'll be July 30th, which is a Saturday, and it just makes sense. You know, uh, every weekend from May 27th through the, you know, those four weekends in June or whatever it was 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 full of official visitors. Um, and then you got a four week dead period. We just started right now, and then you get that week between the dead period ending and fall practice starting. And that's the only weekend you can do it. So it fits perfectly. And, and it's not just Auburn. There's going to be a bunch of schools holding similar, not big cats, but whatever they call them, cookouts, whatever events that weekend. Feels like we need to rename that uh, big cat weekend. Well, it hasn't been a weekend for a while, but I kind of like big cat, you know, it's got, uh, it's got that history to it. You know, it's been around since, um, you know, trooper and those guys. And you, you kind of like uh, how it's, and it's been very successful too. So um, I don't know. I, I kind of like uh, I kind of like it how it is. What is the feeling about the off season drama, B Matt? Like, has this staff put all that stuff that happened early this year behind them in recruiting, or is it still? Do you think Brian Harson's job security is playing uh, a role in why we don't have as many commits at this point? Uh, both. I, I think the staff has sort of put it behind them, right? Because there's nothing they can do about it. But mm-hmm. it is having an effect. I think. Other schools are smartly using that against Auburn. I mean, and, and it is affecting Auburn, right? I, I think it's making it a little bit tougher on them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it's sort of a, a self-inflicted wound that Auburn has done time and again. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, – so it has put them in a tough place. But then again, he's going to be judged on results. Coaches are going to say in everything like this, there's no excuses. You either get it done or you don't. I mean, it's not necessarily fair on him and his staff, but – He's partially responsible for it, too, so it, it is what it is, right? But, yes, it is having an effect. Yeah, my last question about this um, is, do you think that the early recruit, the early signing period maybe hurts Auburn a little bit um, because we're going to get so many recruits late in the process? Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that, but you're, you're dead on. In, th- in this specific case, I think it does hurt Auburn because, you know, everybody else is just cruising right along. They're going to get their 15 to 20 commitments. Uh, or 12 or so before the season starts. And Auburn, who knows where they're going to be. Hopefully they can get the double digits. You know, that's what they want. Um, and then when that happens, you know, if, if you have eight eight commitments and a school has 15, even if your eight commitments are better than any of their 15, their ranking is going to be higher, much higher. Right. Because uh, most rankings, including rivals, count your top 20. Mm-hmm. So if you're short three, four, or five to 20, you're Ooh. going to be well behind somebody who's got the – got the max or is closer to the max. So, uh, you know, you go back to last year, Auburn was 71st, I think, uh, nationally in recruiting. 
at the end of the season. And man, that was tough to overcome. And that's a situation they really need to avoid this year because, you know, he is under more pressure. You don't want to go seven and five or six and six or whatever and have, a, a, you know, one of the worst classes in the SEC and be ranked, you know, 70th or whatever in the country in recruiting. Uh, that would all add up to a lot of negativity around the program, make it tougher to recruit and tougher for him to, uh, you know, stay at Auburn. Yeah. I mean, out of curiosity, I mean, because I I definitely don't know how this works. How, you know, uh, Zach Etheridge is your, what I don't know what his technical title is with recruiting, but he's the the person who's basically over the department. How does that work during the season? Right. Like I know he's got a bunch of auxiliary staff, but like how were they able to continue that recruiting process and land potential recruits while the season is going on with some of your staff who would be part of the recruiting process having to be devoted to game planning? Well, you know, um, Zach is a secondary coach and recruiting coordinator. That was one of the titles he gets. But I think a lot of times for those assistant coaches, those on the field, those 10 on the field coaches or is it nine? Uh, a lot of those titles are not necessarily meaningful in certain ways as as like, you know, Zach's got a whole, you know, bunch more responsibilities with this because uh, over the past 10 to 15 years, um, staffs have grown so large. So, you know, before you'd have a special teams coach be one of the assistant coaches. Well, now they've got a an analyst that does special teams only. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and every assistant coach has a part of special teams when they're when they're practicing on the field. So it's not as big a job as maybe it used to be. Maybe you'd have your tight end special teams coach. And now you still have that, but the, the duties are different. And, you know, Zach does is over recruiting, but they have got uh, just more than a dozen other people, um, you know, that are involved with that program. You know, so he has plenty of help, plenty of analysts that can help break down film for him. Plenty of guys, you know, every coach has a GA or, or, or analyst under them that can do a lot of their recruiting for them. Uh, in certain ways. So um, it's a whole staff now doing it and not just one guy, you know, trying to, uh, you know, handle all the responsibilities for himself. Mm. The rules around NIL are starting to form a little bit. It seems like uh, the staff has a lot more leeway in NIL than they did uh, three months ago. We've seen Ohio State form the whole department that can now connect student athletes with brands, things that we previously thought were supposed to be against the spirit of the rules. Right. Um, you know, what is the sense about uh, what effect NIL is having on these commitments? And, and you know, should we expect uh, some donors to stop, start dropping bags here uh, to get recruit, recruiting rolling? It's hard to really know exactly what's going on with NIL across the country, because I think a lot of the stuff being said and, and being reported is not necessarily factual as far mm. as some of the, the dollar figures that have been thrown out. Um, and I do think Auburn has uh, worked really hard to put together a strong NLI packages for, for some of these players and current players and recruits. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's hard to know exactly what they're offering compared to other schools too. And um, I don't have a, a really great answer for that, to be honest with you. To me, it seems like a lot of the schools offer similar things. So it still comes down to the same things it always does. And that's relationships and, and where the kid thinks he can go and, win championships and be developed the most. So, um, so we'll see, but yeah, I I wish I had a better answer on NIL for you. I just, I just don't know enough to really, really um, nail down an opinion on that. Yeah. It feels like the community has to step up here. I saw a kid from Texas sign a Lamborghini NIL deal. Like uh, B. John Robinson, their running back. Right. Lamborghini of Austin. (laughs) 
And so I was trying to explain to somebody, I was like, that's not a national Lamborghini deal. That's that yeah. local Lamborghini dealership. Yeah. Um, who And the guy's probably a Texas alum because I don't oh, know yeah. how, many, how many kids are seeing, oh, I'm going to go buy a Lamborghini because he he's not getting the return on that. No. Uh, the people right. who, who buy Lamborghinis, yeah. they're going to buy Lamborghinis <laughs> yeah. or not. So yep. I think I think it really is on the community to step up and, and, and start to fill the gap here with NIL and for the university to help educate the community on how they can get involved. So if you're a former alumni turned business owner, here's how you can get involved. And, you know, here's um, apparatus through which you can reach players. I know they have an app where they can put in NIL deals and it goes through compliance and they've set up some structure for that. But um, I don't think that that, when it talks to like the big name recruits, I don't think that can be, uh, I don't think that should be lost in this discussion. Uh, If we're not, you know, some of the big names that we've seen commit, we're hearing about their NIL deals, whether the number is actually factual or not. Like you said, I don't don't think a lot of the reported numbers are, are factual, but Auburn still has some catching up to do there. So I hope they do that. Yeah, I think we just need to sit and wait for all of those recruits that A&M got to decommit um, <laughs> because they're not going to all stick. Um, they're going to get disillusioned with the fact that, oh, this is nice, but I'm not playing. And that, that NIL money starts to not look as attractive because why am I keeping, why am I paying this guy who's not seeing the field? And uh, they'll they'll be coming back this way a little bit. I mean, all the all of this with the... Portal and NIL sounds like a big social experiment with these young kids because, to your point, Ike, how often, how many of these kids are going to see the field at some of these schools? And right. it just makes the portal something to really look forward to, uh, definitely. And speaking of portal, B Matt, before we get to the break, you mentioned some guys that Auburn got out of the portal this year. Uh, in your opinion, what was the most significant pickup out of the portal for Auburn, in your opinion? Mm. Probably going to be Zach Calzada because he's probably going to be the starting quarterback, right? I mean, mm. we'll see. But, um, you know, if that's the case, it will be him. But I thought the business they did early getting him, um, Jason Jones, uh, who's probably the starting nose guard, unless Jeremiah Wright can take it. He's moved back over to defense. Um, DJ James uh, should play a lot at cornerback or nickel, wherever they put him. Uh, but I thought those guys were important. And I, I just thought getting receivers was important, even though they're not, you know, superstars, still getting some guys that can increase the talent of that position and, and bring more competition was not, really, really important. Not yet. They're not superstars yet. Ike astutely pointed yeah, out that Alabama's Jamison Williams was nobody before he went to Alabama yeah. and became somebody. Um, uh, yeah. I, I have some questions about the quarterback uh, position that we'll ask after the break, but you know, I agree with everything you're saying here. It's ultimately, I think it's going to come down to on the field results. They've got to win some games, and even if they lose games, even if it's like a seven and six season, you've got to show promise offensively. Yeah. You can't go on long. You can't go a whole game without an offensive touchdown like we did last year versus A and M. You've got to those figure out a way to score. Games. Right? Yeah, those first five games, you've got to show recruits a glimpse of who they could be for this team because um, who, who it was Josh Pate. Josh Pate felt like Brian Harson's most effective recruiting message would be, we need you come to Auburn, right? Yeah. If you come here, you can go to Texas A&M, but he can probably guarantee playing time 
to big-time recruits faster than most schools right now who are just loaded. And you know if you go to Alabama and you're a quarterback, unless you're literally the next coming of Cam Newton, you're going to sit yeah. for a year or two. Yep. Yeah. And right. you're still not guaranteed a starting spot um, because they recruit so well at that position. So they've got to get out there. They've got to change the message. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear you say talk about the buy-in because that's something that we've heard repeatedly from our player interviews uh, that we put up on the channel is, is that – uh, we've had staff and players tell us that 40% or less of the players they had on the team last year was bought into what they had to do. And the buy-in, I think, is important because if I get a player host and that guy isn't bought in, he's not selling Auburn very effectively to recruits. Right, right. He's thinking about when he's going to jump into the portal. <laughs> Or, you know, or if he's worried about his playing time or what his role on the team is. So I I think that that should pay dividends in recruiting a a little bit this year, maybe with a guy or two. You know, talking to a guy who is passionate about this staff and the team culture and their teammates and plan, development plan that the coaches have for them to sell that to other recruits. Yeah, I think that's real. Yeah. You are are now now listening listening to to 